H12, how are we doing tonight? That's what I'm talking about. That's good. That's good. Hey, uh, we are so pumped that you are here today for the very, very first H12 of the new school year. How awesome is that? Uh, quick, quick question. Do we have any freshmen in the room? Let me hear you. There we go. Be proud. Uh, so here's what I want to do. All of you sophomores, juniors, and seniors, I want to give our freshmen a big, big H12 welcome. So on the count of three, I want you to shout, yell, stand up, go crazy for these freshmen. You ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. There we go. I heard a few boos. That's no good. That's no good. Hey, seriously, we're so pumped that you're hanging out with us tonight. All of you M12ers who have officially graduated, welcome. Glad that you're hanging out with us. And uh, tonight is really, really good. Actually, check it out. If this is your first time, like you've never been in this room before, never been to H12, we want to welcome you. And like Zach and Sarah said, we've got a room right next door. It's called our VIP room. And I'm telling you, you want to head there after the service. So you, the person that brought you, head over that way. We got a bunch of free stuff. We want to give you some drinks, snacks, all sorts of cool stuff. Now, today, uh, we're starting a new series that I am really, really excited about. It's a series called Circles, and Circles is all about this one question right here. Here's the question. What are we known for? What are we known for? Like, what is, what is H12 known for? What is H12 all about? Like, if you were to sum us up, what, what would be the word that you use to describe H12. In fact, if you're brand new, like you've never been to H12, this may be the question that you're asking right now. Like, what is, what's this all about? Like, what are we here for? What is, what is H12 here for? And I think, I think there's a lot of answers that you could give to this question. Um, here's, here's just one possibility. Uh, yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Hashtag green team, scheme team. Hey, real quick, uh, I, got a, I got a feeling that there's some people that went to NTS camp in this room. How many of you went to NTS camp? Let me hear you. Yeah, if you, uh, if you went to NTS camp, uh, how awesome was it? If you didn't go, I'm telling you, we miss you. It was an awesome, unbelievable week. And here's the good news. We do a summer camp every single year. So this year, don't miss out. You got to go. I'm telling you, it was an unbelievable week. And when we got back from NTS camp, this was the hashtag that was flying around Twitter and Instagram. Hashtag green team, scheme team. Now, now, uh, hold on. Uh, we're getting there. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. So we, uh, so, you know, so, so after, after NTS camp, I saw this, and maybe like some of you in the room that didn't go to NTS camp, you're kind of scratching your head, and you're like, what's that all about? Um, here's the deal. Uh, I, I get a chance to work with middle school and high school students as my full-time job, and I love it. Like, it is a dream come true, but I got to be honest. Uh, students, like, you guys make up words all the time, okay? You do. And, uh, and if you don't make up words, you use words that already have a definition that's plenty good, and then you change it and you make it something else. So this is, this is one example of that. I saw this and I was like, scheme team? What's that? So I use my friend Urban Dictionary, and uh, this, is, this is what it says, scheme. 
to devise a devious plan to be shady or otherwise use intellectual power to deceive, carry out, okay, yada, yada. Here's the deal. I saw this definition and I said, no, 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 this isn't what they're talking about, okay? Because it says intellectual power. There's no way it's this. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, and so I knew this wasn't what Green Team Scheme Team was all about, so I scrolled down. I got to definition number three. Here's what it says. Scheme. <laughs> to hit on or flirt with a woman in a devious fashion. This sounds like our students. Often used in reference to a younger woman or a friend's girl. Okay, so that's, that's the definition. Now, now. Okay, hold up. Hold up, we're getting there. And so, you know, I saw this, and thank goodness that Urban Dictionary has examples. Otherwise, we may not know what it actually means. So here's the example. Uh, we got a guy named Johnny. This is what he says. Did you see Bob scheme on those high schoolers at the bar last night? Okay. Side note. This is why, hey, listen, all you high school girls, don't go to the bar because Bob's going to hit on you, and you don't want that. Bob is a creeper, okay? Just, it's no good. So anyway, there's many other reasons, but that's one. So don't go to the bar. That's what Johnny says. And then Rob, our friend, said, yeah, what a... And then he used other words on Urban Dictionary that I can't quite say out loud. Uh, so if Rob were here, I would say, hey, you're welcome, but I'm not going to give you the mic to say those things. So anyways, this is what it means to scheme, okay? Which many of you already knew, right? It's like flirting. And I saw this, and I was like, no... Not our students, not our H12, there's no way. And then I saw this tweet by uh, one of our students, <laughs> all caps, all caps, did any of you listen in camp about not being in relationships so young? You silly schemers, okay? So she's calling out. So I see this and I was like, so maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some scheming. I start to dig Here's the first tweet I saw. Okay. Hey, it's okay, right? Hey, the picture, the picture's good. Hey, it's a side hug. It's a side hug. Here's the problem with this one, though. The emoji. Some scheming is afoot. Um... Now, now, I love this kid. Uh, this guy's name is Andrew. He's awesome. Part of our, uh, yeah, Adji Booty 81. Uh, but he wasn't done, okay? So here, we got another, we got another one. Here he is. And there's two girls that aren't in that other picture with a bunch of heart emojis. And you may think he's done there. Oh, he's not done. Next one. So another girl, and here's my question, where'd his shirt go? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Okay. So, okay, so, so I saw that, and then, and then I saw some other pictures when I was looking through our NTS camp pictures, and, uh, and I saw what I like to call background schemers, okay? These are when, like, girls want to take a cute picture, and then a schemer jumps in at the last minute, okay? So here's, here's the first background schemer. Right? We're just, it's just girls wanting to pose in front of the tree, and then schemer comes on in. Okay, next one. Here's the next one. Right? Bunch of green shirts. Look at that. You almost didn't know he was there. That's how sneaky he is. Okay, here's the next one. 
Here's the next one, right? It's fierce. You know what I'm saying? That's some fierce scheming. Uh, and then we got this next one. Okay. And, uh, okay, next one, next one, next one. Next one, move over, move over. Next one, next one. Okay, okay. So, hashtag relationship goals. There it is. So, um, so anyways, hashtag green team, scheme team, that is one possible answer to this question, right? What are we known for? We're known for scheming all over the place, right? But, but here's the deal. I don't think that's all we're known for, right? I think, uh, I think H12 could be known for lots of other things. Uh, for instance, I think we could be known as like a cool place to hang out. In fact, those of you that maybe this is your first time, maybe what the person who invited you said was, hey, you should hang out. It's a lot of fun. Like, it's really, really cool. So, you know, we could be known for a place that's really fun to hang out. We could be known as a place uh, where people learn about God, right? Learn more things about God, uh, more about their relationship with Jesus. We could be a place where you go where you, like, feel better, you know? Like, you've had a tough week, had a tough day, and then you come here and you feel better. Um, I think we could also be known as like a cool place with some rock and roll, you know what I'm saying? Like we got awesome band up here, amazing worship, the lights are going. Like there's a lot of stuff that we could be known for. And this series is answering this question, what are we, what is H12 known for? Now, I think that to dig into this question, there's another question that we have to answer. And that's this one. What are you known for? What are you known for? Not just us, not just people in general, but what about you? Like some of you, uh, you want to be known as like the popular person, right? That like everyone loves hanging out with, right? Like you're at the right place at the right time. You got your Instagram feed just perfect. You got your Twitter feed just perfect. And all these people know you and you just want to be known and you just want to be popular. And the thing that you want to be known for is that you're popular. And then, and then there's other people that the thing you want to be known for, you want to be known for sports, right? You want to be known for the fact that you play football, you play lacrosse, like you're varsity this year. You want to be known for basketball. You want to be known for your athletic abilities. You want people to know that about you. That's the thing that you want people to know. Or maybe, uh, maybe for you, you want to be known for your good grades. Okay, just kidding. Now, uh... No, 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 I'm sure there's some of you, like in all seriousness, that like when you start thinking, you're like, I just want to get good grades, I want to get into an amazing college, the thing you want to be known for, maybe is being intellectual, maybe it's being smart, maybe for some of you, the thing you want to be known for, you want to be known as like the good kid, you know, like that you never mess up, you never do anything wrong, you're very moral, or maybe there's some of you that you want to be known as the bad kid, like the rebel, the one that doesn't have to follow the rules. But all of us have to answer this question. What are you known for? What are you known for? In other words, if we were to take an urban dictionary definition for you, what would it say? If we were to try to define you, try to sum up who you are, what would it say? Because, see, you got all this stuff spinning around in your life. But I'm telling you, there is one thing about you that is your primary characteristic, the main thing about you. And that's what you're known for. In fact, that's what the series Circles is all about. They're going to show a graphic of some circles. This is, this is what happens, okay? In life, you got a bunch of stuff going on, okay? And I get it. You just started school, so you got homework, you got teachers, you got projects coming up, you got the syllabus that you're looking at, and then you got your parents, and then you got your friends, and then you got this relationship, and then you got like, you got to drive and got to find a job, and you got all these things spinning around. And when you look at your life, there's just not enough time. 
right? Like this is manageable over the summer because you got plenty of time. You don't have school. Maybe uh, some of you, you don't have coaches over the summer, whatever. But then when school starts, all this stuff starts spinning around and your life goes in all these different directions. But did you know that at the center of all of it, there's a core? And there is one thing about you that leads the rest of your life. And you may not have ever thought about it that way. You may, may not have ever um, realized that there was something. But there is something that's guiding all of your decisions. It's guiding all of your relationships. It's guiding all the stuff that's spinning around in your life. And it's at your core. In fact, we say it this way. Your core determines your course. Your core determines your course. In other words, your core has the ability to guide your life for the good and for the bad. So what is inside of you, like the main thing about you, can lead to a life full of reward, an abundant life, an amazing life full of joy, full of peace, full of happiness, full of contentment, or or it can lead you to a life full of regret, full of shame and guilt and emptiness. And there's only one thing that can change that for you, and it is what is at your core. Your core has the ability to completely define your life. In fact, your core is going to determine what type of year you have this year at school. It will. It will. This year will be defined by what is at your core. And so the question is simple. The question is, what is at your core? What is the one thing that is at your core? What is the one thing that is, that is defining all of your other relationships, all of your other emotions, all of the other feelings that you have? What is that one thing? Or better yet, I think a better question is what should be? What should be at your core? Because if it's true that your core has the ability to completely define your life, if it's true that it's the one thing that separates a good life from a bad life, a life full of reward from a life full of regret, then what should be our core? How do you get the core that leads to that full life? How do you have a core, that thing inside of you, that all your other decisions spin around? How do you get that to lead you to a full life? And Jesus actually answered this question for us. And so I want to listen into a conversation he had with a bunch of people that didn't like him because he addresses the issue of our core. So if you would, grab your Bibles. They should be under your chair uh, right in front of you or right underneath you, and uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. So this is going to be on page 990 if you're using the Bible that's underneath your chair, page 990. By the way, here's the deal. If you don't have a Bible of your own, like if it's been a while since you've been to church or maybe it's uh, like you've been coming but you just don't have a Bible, um, let this be our gift to you. Okay, so take the Bible, write your name in it, take it home. That is our gift to you. We want every person in this room to have a Bible in their homes, just like you have a Bible right now in your hand. So we're going to look at page 990, Matthew chapter 22. And here's the deal. Um, Jesus had a conversation with people that did not like him. And the reason that they didn't like him is because they were jealous. See, among many other things, Jesus was an unbelievable teacher. Like, he just had a way with words. He was able to teach things that no one else was able to teach. He taught with more wisdom, with more passion, with more fervor than anyone else. And he taught in such an incredible way that it actually made sense and it changed people's lives. See, Jesus gave real-life answers to life's real questions, like things that people were actually struggling with. Jesus addressed those things and he talked about them, which is incredible. 
In fact, he was, so, he was so good at teaching that all these people would listen to him teach and their jaws would just drop open. And they would look at one another. They were like, like, that's in, like I've never heard anything like that. Never heard anything like that. In fact, right at the beginning, uh, Matthew chapter 22, starting verse 33, this is what it says. When the crowds heard this, they heard Jesus talking. They were astonished at his teaching, blown away. Like, who is this guy? How is it that he can be such an amazing and incredible teacher? Now, even though Jesus was unbelievable at teaching, there were other people that didn't like Jesus. And those were the other teachers. The other people that weren't quite as good at teaching. Maybe they didn't have quite as much wisdom. And so they looked at Jesus, and even though Jesus was doing unbelievable stuff, they were jealous. They were upset at Jesus. And they did something that you guys may be uh, aware of. They tried to one-up Jesus. Do you guys know what I'm talking about when I say, like, one-up? You know, have, like, do you guys, okay, how about this? Does anyone know someone who's a one-upper? Like, that guy that just tries to one-up, okay? Uh, so, so here's what it means to be a one-upper. It's like you're telling a story about something awesome that happened, right? You're like, dude, this thing was amazing. It was incredible. And then this guy swoops in, and he says, your story is dumb, and he tries to one-up your story. You guys know what I'm talking about now, right, the one-upper? Uh, for instance, maybe it was like your first day at school, and you were like, hey, um, so I just got back like from Florida, and uh, we were at the beach, and like the waves were so good, and so I actually like I did some body surfing in Florida, like, dude, it was awesome, man. I had a great summer. And then it's like out of nowhere, this guy comes in. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like, he comes in, he's like, that's nothing. And the moment you hear that's nothing, you know, no good. We got a one-upper on our hands, okay? And so, so this guy swoops in, and he's like, that's nothing, man. I went to Australia, okay? I didn't go to Florida. I swam with sharks, okay? You're going to see me on Shark Week next week. Like, it's good. By the way, Shark Week is next week. Just thumbs up for that. Anyways, he's like, dude, I punched a hammerhead in the face. What did you do? And he makes you feel terrible about your story because he's just trying to one-up. He's just trying to one-up you. And so these people, these people were trying to one-up Jesus. In fact, they were very similar to those people that you may have in your class that try to one-up teachers. Have you guys ever seen this? Right? It's the, here's how you know if a kid tries to one-up his teacher. The moment this kid raises his hand, everyone in the room goes, ugh, because you know right? You know that he does not care about the answer to his question. He's just trying to stump the teacher. He's trying to make the teacher feel bad. He's trying to make himself look awesome. And everyone is frustrated because it's like, dude, give it up, right? And that's what these guys tried to do to Jesus. They tried to make Jesus feel bad. They tried to ask Jesus a question that he did not know the answer to. And so here's what happens, starting in verse, um, in verse 23. I'm sorry, 30, 34. Starting in verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, which were like this teaching group of people. So Jesus had silenced them, which, by the way, when you try to stump Jesus, uh, you're trying to stump the Son of God, um, and he created the world, so good luck with that. It uh, didn't work out so well, so he had silenced those guys. So then the Pharisees got together, and these were like another religious teaching group, and they were like, we're going to show Jesus, right? So verse 35, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. So here's this guy's attempt at stumping Jesus. Here's this guy saying, I'm going to one-up Jesus. I'm going to show Jesus. And this is what he asks. Teacher, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And here's the deal. This question may not seem like a big deal to you, but in Jesus's day, this was huge because, because the context that they understood was that the law contained 613 commandments. 
Okay? You thought there were just 10. Nope. 613 commandments in the law. And according to many rabbis, no commandment was greater than another commandment. And so when you broke one commandment, it was as bad as breaking all of the commandments. There was not a commandment that was greater or a commandment that was less. All 613 had to be obeyed. So in this guy's mind, he thought the answer to this question, that it just had no answer. That there was no way that anyone could say what the greatest commandment was. In other words, it's like he was saying here with these circles, we got 613 things to think about. We got all these things that we're trying to manage, right? I'm trying to manage school. I'm trying to manage my family. I'm trying to manage homework. I'm trying to manage projects. I'm trying to manage all these things spinning around. And there's no way you can say that there is one that is greater than all of them. In fact, when I said there was something at your core that drives your life, maybe you immediately pushed back and thought, no, 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 no. No, like there's family and then there's friends, and then there's homework, and then there's a ton of things that impact. There's all these things that are a part of my life. And that's what this guy was saying to Jesus. He said, Jesus, there's all these things you got to think about. But Jesus understood that at the core of every person was one thing, and that your core determines your course. And that based on how your core is, it will completely change your life. It would give you an abundant life, or it would give you a life that's wrecked. And so Jesus goes to answer this question because it does have an answer. Starting in verse 37, he says this, Jesus replied, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, you take all those 613 commandments and you put them to the side. You take all the stuff that you deal with in life and you put it to the side. And the only thing that matters is your core, your relationship with God. The one thing at the center of everything is your relationship with God. You loving God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. Now, notice Jesus did not say, love the Lord your God with a little bit of your heart. Okay? Just part of your mind and just some of your soul. Just kind of give them, just give them a little bit, right? Like, like after all, you got a lot of stuff going on, right? You got you to gotta make sure that your homework gets done. You got to make sure that your friends are happy with you. You got to make sure you update Twitter. And then, oh, it's Wednesday, so let me go to church. I'll, let me add on that God piece, right? Because he's just a piece that I add on to the swirl of all the stuff that's going on. Jesus says, no. No, it's not about God as an add-on. God is at the center your relationship with God is everything. It's not part of your heart, part of your mind, part of your soul. It's everything. It's all of your heart, all of your affection, all of your decisions, all of your relationships, all of your emotions should revolve around one thing, and that one thing is your relationship with God. All of you, every bit of you should love God. In other words, in other, uh, our attitude should be this. All of me loves all of you, right? I'm not going to sing that for you, by the way. I refuse. I will not. This, nope, you will not get that. This lyric from a song is how our lives should be towards God. That we should look at God and say, God, every bit of my life is yours. Not just the part that I feel comfortable talking about, not just the part that I feel comfortable sharing with other people. All of me. God, every bit of me, all of me, loves all of you. Everything. 
And I'm telling you, when God, when God is your core, when your relationship with God is the one thing that matters more than anything else, it will change your life. When you interact with Jesus, you leave never the same. That's the character of Jesus. And so Jesus here is saying, all of me, this should be your attitude towards God, all of me loves all of you. Now, I, uh, I'd initially planned to share with you a story about a time that I had um, dealt with this. And, uh, and it was a pretty good story about, uh, about a time that I like, I like wrestled with giving God everything for me. Um, but I recently heard a story from one of our students, and I think it's more powerful. Which, which should go to tell you that you guys are more capable, I know we talked about this last week, you're more capable than you think you are. Your story and your relationship with God actually does matter. Please do not wait for me. It's your relationship with God. And so I heard a story from this student after NTS camp. Um, I think she would admit that before NTS camp, she was guilty of loving God. She loved God. No question she loved God. But she loved God with part of her heart and a little bit of her soul and just some of her mind. And, and so there were parts of her lives that her life that she didn't give to God. She didn't really care about giving those areas up to God because after all, she was fine with God just being something that you add to your plate. He's just kind of part of the swirl. He's not at your core. And then she went to NTS camp. And after she went to NTS camp, she realized that God was not satisfied with just being something that you add on to your life, that he needs to be everything. He needs to be at the core. And she realized that every bit of her life needed to belong to God. So she got back from NTS camp, which for most students is when it ends, right? You make a decision, you make a commitment, you're like, this is, this is going to be great, but it didn't end there for her. I talked to her the next Sunday, and she told me what she did. She said, um, it, she was talking with me and my wife, Catherine, and she said, hey, I, uh, so I talked to my parents about the obsessions that I had and the things that I was putting before God. And I, um, my dad thinks that the last time that I did drugs was in seventh grade, but it's been much more recent than that. And so I, uh, I told my dad that I'd been struggling, and then I gave him all of my alcohol that I'd been hiding, and I gave him all of my weed, and I said, I don't want to do this anymore, and I gave it to him. And then, as if that weren't enough, she said, and I also realized that one of my obsessions was my ex-boyfriend, that, it, that it's just been difficult for me to get over him, and I think about him all the time, and he's kind of at the center of like who I am, and I need, I need to give that up. And so then she showed me um, this text message that she sent to him. And by the way, usually when people have that revelation about an ex-boyfriend, it's usually something like, you're so dumb and I hate you, and it comes out as this like, just like chaos. But this is what she said. She sent this text to him. She said, this past week, I learned so much, it's crazy. But long story short, I finally let go of you. There's no point of being friends because there are too many feelings there. I decided to give up all my worries and obsessions to God. And with you as one of my friends, it would be harder to focus on my relationship with him. Maybe one day later on, when we are both ready to be friends, we can. Thank you. Thank you 
for being a part of such a great chapter in my life, but now it's time for it to end. It's huge. See, that's what it looks like to have God at your core. That's what it looks like to give all of you to God, not just the parts that you want to confess, not just the parts that you feel safe about, not just Wednesday nights when you're here at age 12, not just Sunday mornings when you're there at church, but all of you, all of your habits, all of your decisions, all of your friendships, all of your relationships, every bit of who you are given to God. And I promise you this, when you do that, you will find that you have a life full of great reward, not great regret. And so here's the question that I want you to answer. You can show the next question. <laughs> we do not have the next question, but it is in your notes. What would it look like for you to have God at the core of your life? What would it look like for you to have God at the core of everything that you are? Maybe, maybe for you it means giving up a habit that you've been struggling with for a long time. In fact, if, if some of you were to be honest, maybe you would say this. Maybe you would say, I, I've got this habit and I love Jesus, but I really love this habit and I don't want to give it up. And maybe tonight is the night that you let go. And you say, God, I want you to be number one. God, I want to love you with all of me, with every bit of who I am. And so I give that up to you. Maybe for you it's friendships. People that you, you care about, like you like hanging out with them, but you know that every time you're around them brings you down. And so maybe tonight is the night that you start letting some of those friendships go. Maybe, maybe there's some of you in this room that like, you like giving God control of like when you come here to age 12 and you even give God control of when you're, um, when you're at school and when you're talking to your friends. But when you're at home, it's a completely different story. The way that you talk to your mom, the way that you talk to your dad looks remarkably different from the way you talk to everyone else. And maybe today's the day that God says, I need you to give that to me too. Because if God is really at your core, he's going to affect every other part of your life. And so the question, what are we known for? I want H12 to be known as a place where people come that are chasing after God as their number one thing. And if that's not you yet, that's totally okay. But that's where we're heading. We want to be people that are madly in love with Jesus. And our love for him changes our lives. And so imagine, just, just imagine for a second, if, if just the people in this room, just us, what if we committed this week to doing that? What if, what if you would talk with God and pray to him and say, God, I've been giving you like 90% of my life, but there's 10% that I've kept from you. And it's time, it's time that you got that too. Because I don't want to love you with 90% of my heart and 90% of my soul and 90% of my mind. God, I want all of my thoughts, all of my attention, all of my affection, all of my Twitter, all of my Instagram, all of my relationships, everything that I am, I want it to revolve around you. So God, the areas of my life that are not revolving around you, would you change me? Would you change me? 
What's at your core? And what does it look like for God to be there at your core? Because I'm telling you, your core determines your course. And there is an unbelievable life that God has for every single person in this room. And there is an unbelievable life that God has for this ministry, for H12, for the people in this room. And what would happen if we said yes? What if we said yes to him? So let me pray for you. God, I, uh, we love you. And some of us aren't quite sure what we think of you yet, and that's okay. And there's some of us in this room that uh, we love you with about 85% of our heart. And we've been holding on to stuff. And for those students, I ask, I ask that you would help them let go. Help them realize that having you at the core is the best thing they could do for their life. God, would you, um, I know there's people in this room that all of them, every bit of who they are is committed to you. But I know they're not perfect, and I know they still struggle. So would you encourage them right now and let them know that their heart is yours. And that regardless of what they've done in the past, regardless of the temptations they face today, they have a relationship with you that they can depend on. No matter how bad things get, they can trust you. God, I want to pray um, specifically for three groups of students. I want to pray for the students that have a habit that they need to break and they need to let go of. Give them strength, Jesus. Give them strength to let go of that habit. I pray that you would actually give them strength to tell someone. And I know it's difficult for them, but would they tell someone? Would they look at their friends? Maybe look at their small group leader. Maybe even look at their parents. And they would tell them. I also pray for the people that are struggling with what group of friends to hang out with. God, would you let them know who they need to invite into their life so that they're not led down the wrong path? God, and finally, the people that love you when they're at school and love you when they're at church and love you when they're with their friends and love you uh, every night and they love you all over the place except when they talk with their parents. I know, I know, it, <laughs> I know that sometimes it seems like these parents are crazy and sometimes they, they're from another planet and, 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 and we don't even know how to talk to them, but God, I pray that you would help them give that area up to you so that all of them would be in love with all of you. So Jesus, we love you. We love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. We pray these things in Jesus' name.